everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I'm joined by Amit Gudka, founder of Vamati Energy and co-founder of Bulb, a company making energy simpler, cheaper and greener. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Amit. We start off by talking about renewable energy and what that really means and what that will look like in the future, potentially on a global scale and how that will impact all of us. We also talk about business and startup culture and the inevitable challenges of starting a company and scaling and working with people and about having a big idea and and purpose and profit and actually how you need to focus on both in order to create a successful business. So if the last 18 months has taught us anything, it is that the future is unpredictable. None of us really know what could happen in the next decade, but fortunately we have People like Amit, future thinkers, smart people who are working hard to potentially solve some of the big problems that that could come in the future. So I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate, and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast, and welcome to today's guest, Amit. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Adrian? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Firstly, I guess for any listeners of the show who might not be familiar with you, with the work that you do, could you tell us, I guess I'd love for you to kick off this episode and to tell us about your journey so far, what and why you do what you do? Thanks, Adrian. Um, Yeah, really good to be on the show. Um, I'm my, my sort of journey to date. So I started out my career as an energy trader. So I did that for nearly nine years. Um, I traded electricity, gas, carbon. Um, and, and yeah, during that time got, you know, really, you know, really deeply interested in, in the energy sector, um, as a whole, got thinking a lot more about, um, about retail at that point. And, and, and that's when, you know, the opportunity arose to, to set up. To set up bulb so i've co-founded bulb uh with my with my friend hayden um we did that in well we were talking about it from 2013 2014 um and in 2014 we left our jobs to set up bulb um bulb's now one of the uk's biggest green um energy suppliers um you know alongside ovo and octopus uh you know we've broken up the big six uh you know who were the incumbents that dominated that sector switched over 1.7 million customers uh, to renewable energy and, and helped them save a lot of money. Um, and now um, launched a, a new business, uh, Vimity Energy. Um, I left sort of bulb earlier this year to set that up. And, um, and yeah, we're going to be building the infrastructure needed for the renewable transition, starting out with, with grid scale batteries. Um, and these will help us store renewable energy when it's needed. So, um, so yeah, that's the, that's the sort of journey today and really excited about, yes, embarking on this, on this new challenge as well. Well, I have two things, I guess, from from what you've said there. The first is, you know, just to gloss over the fact that, you know, Bulb, as you mentioned, 1.7 million customers. And actually, you know, I read that Bulb was the fastest growing company in Europe. 
So even just hearing that is the fastest growing startup company in Europe. And I think what you managed to do at Bulb at such at such pace as well, you know, I don't think people can really kind of get their heads around around how difficult it is to do that. But before we come on to talking about, I guess, more about the the startup world, I'd love to kind of know, I guess, why energy? So when you said you, you know, a tr- energy trader and then now and then the company why energy you know when people growing up at school and people say what do you want to do and they don't often turn around and say oh I want to you know solve the the world's problem when it comes to renewable energy so yeah what kind of led you to that so yeah I mean my initial actually moving into energy trading that happened um, I actually went into into finance so I went into financial markets and, and I actually ended up in energy I think what really attracted me to energy though is just it's just it's it's underpins you know it underpins everything that we do it's so important to to literally everything so you know it's how we heat our homes it's how we um you know it's how we power the appliances that you know help us do the things that we want to do it's vital to everything that that, that we do on a day-to-day basis in our homes but you know at a really macro scale as well so it's just fascinating how um you know how energy works how it trades how it's how it's generated and, and, you know, longer term, how we can switch how we use it. So um, I guess that's what's really drawn me to it. And, and that interest in it has, has grown over time. Hmm. And then, as I mentioned, with the, the speed at which you were able to do the, the incredible success of Bulb, you know, I guess, what, what do you think was the key to that success? Why do you think people, you know, obviously people are, who are passionate about climate change and renewable energy, but what do you think it was that you were able to do that, was the key to making people think about it differently and say, you know what, actually, this isn't something boring. This isn't something that somebody else will do. Actually, I'm going to going to switch to an to a renewable energy provider. Yeah, I think when we so when we first looked at it, and this was like you know 2013, 2014. This is when Hayden and I really started looking at um, at energy supply in, in in a lot more detail. You just saw an industry that you know was dominated by. Um, incumbents are dominated by the big six, so you know the likes of British Gas, um, EDF, etc., who had been who had had a hold on that market for you know for twenty years, and um, and the service that they were providing was really poor. The the prices that people were paying for that poor service was 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 really expensive, and you know there was this misconception as well that 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 you know renewable tariffs were. Um, were a premium product or something expensive when actually the cost of supplying that wasn't much more. So it was kind of a bit of a broken, felt like a broken sector at that point. Um, and, um, you know, and a lot of that was also then because of this, you know, poor service and high prices that are being provided. Um, I think, you know, those, those dominant incumbents were, were actually just trying to make it quite complicated. You know the way that it was communicated about to consumers was was complex and multiple tariffs that you know you didn't really understand what you were paying for you didn't really understand um how tariffs worked etc so you know it was it was communicated really badly and that's what led people i think to be you know just there's quite a lot of inertia from from customers and you know just a lack of awareness really mm. um and yeah you could see in so many other sectors you had brands and you had companies that really spoke to people like like that like adults uh like you would speak to to normal people and you know that's not something that wasn't happening in energy so i think a thing that we that we did that was really that was that was really good was you know clear communication we built a brand that communicated really clearly with people that you know treated people fairly and 
And that was something that was actually quite fresh in that sector. And, you know, it's taken to, to the company a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, as you mentioned, you know, com- communicating these things in a simple way that people understand, because on the one hand, you know, it does seem like, oh, it's this really niche, you know, topic and sector around energy. But actually, as you mentioned at the start, it impacts everything. Every single person uses energy every, you know, probably from the moment they open their eyes in the morning, whether it's, you know, their, their phone charger, whether it's, you know, all these different things, you know, cars, we all use energy. But actually, as you say, it's almost like this, this kind of this gap of like, where does that actually come from? And actually, how does it work? And yeah, there's kind of like, I guess, this veil of information that nobody really asks. So I think, yeah, I guess maybe showing people and just giving a really clear way for people to see and then say, okay, now that you know that you actually have a choice and you can have a positive impact if you switch to to renewable. So yeah, I think it's fascinating. And so can you tell us more now about about the new company, Vimity Energy, and the importance and potentially the challenges of yeah, getting people excited about energy infrastructure and hopefully preventing climate catastrophe. It's it's a really exciting challenge that we're now um, embarking on. I think um, you know there's this there's this massive transition that needs to happen over the twenty to next twenty or thirty years. So the, the transition from fossil fuels to to renewable energy is something that is happening, but it really needs to accelerate. And that transition to you know it has to be the biggest energy transition we've ever had um, at the fastest speed we've ever had. So it's it's an enormous global challenge, um, completely changed the way that we generate electricity and, and quite critically how we store it. So, you know, that's what's that, that's what's on the horizon. Um, and, you know, there's got to be a lot of companies that, that try and build energy infrastructure that, um, that, w- that will solve this problem. What I find really exciting about um, about doing this is yeah, having run a retail business and you know supply business where you know it's quite a digital business right a lot of what you do is online and you know you communicate with people online this is now a business where we're we're, we're actually building things so um what what we're doing is we're building batteries that um which are connected to the grid so these are large batteries um so the first project that we have is you know in Oldham near manchester uh, it's in a big warehouse, which will be full of these containers that are batteries that are then plugged into the grid. And when, you know, when there's an excess of, of renewable electricity, like when it's very windy or when there's a lot of solar during the day, um, you'll have those, those batteries charging up and storing that electricity. And then during peak periods in the evening, for example, where, um, where there's high demand and there's, a, there's additional demand for electricity, we will dispatch those. Um, those batteries and, and that renewable electricity onto the grid. So, you know, this, it's a hugely important problem that needs to be solved. Like, how do you store renewable energy, which which is which is generated intermittently? So, you know, you, you can't predict when renewable energy is going to be produced. You know, you, mm. you can't predict when it's going to be windy or, or sunny. Um, and storing that electricity is a big challenge, and that and that's what we're doing. So, what really excites me though is going to that place going to that warehouse in Oldham and seeing you know this this physical thing that we're going to build having having sort of run a digital business before that mm. um I think in terms of getting people excited so I guess that's what gets me excited it's you know big physical things that are solving a big a big global global problem and global challenge that we have um I think in terms of getting people excited um again you know this is stuff you know the, the national grid and you know which and the electricity grid that runs is the backbone of the country, really. And, you know, it's how electricity is supplied to people's homes. Um, th- these are sort of 
amazing, amazing infrastructure that we have, and you know, all countries or most countries have. And um, you know, this is the backbone of, of, of exactly of how we go about our lives, right? It's how we mm. how we use our um, you know how we heat our homes, how we power our appliances, how we you know we how we how we get around, you know, how we use transport, etc. It's all back powered by you know this this amazing grid and infrastructure that we have behind it and it, i think it's just something that we don't really think about right this this, mm. this little, you know miracle of engineering that we have and, and and we're so reliant on and it just sort of it just works in the background um and yeah i, I think people don't really think about that and you know i, I you know me, me someone in energy hadn't even thought about that um in, in the detail that I have recently. So yeah. it's it's quite an amazing thing that we have there. And it's I think it's very exciting. And I think, um, you know, the scale of the infrastructure we have and the scale of the infrastructure and how it needs to, how, how, how that infrastructure needs to change over the next, um, over the next two or three decades is really exciting. It's, it's, mm. it's like a phenomenal challenge, you know, for, for, for humanity um, of, of how we do these things. And I think communicating that to people is really important um, over the next, you know, over over the coming years, because it's not something that should just be sitting in the background that, you know, some engineers are getting on with. I think it's something that people should know about because it also then changes, um, you know, it, it, it changes people's attitudes. Like, you know, they put more pressure on 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 their MPs or the government, you know, to, to continue to back this transition or they change the way that they invest their money, right? Their Their pension is goes goes from being invested in fossil fuel companies to renewable companies so there's actually a lot of by, by getting people excited about this transition as well i think there's actual changes that that they can make and effect that actually impact the, the the speed at which this transition happens as i said this stuff if i find it completely fascinating because you know it can it's not my usual field you know so the work that i do and the things that i you know think about and the challenges you know i probably don't think about it at all let alone enough but actually as you're talking then you know i'm fascinated by innovation i'm a very curious person so i'm always thinking ahead in terms of you know future and trend and you know i think even as you were describing you know the, the warehouse in manchester i'm already thinking like is this something that is going to be automated i.e it doesn't need people or you know it, this automation i think has kind of pros and cons and i think sometimes people are afraid of it you know i hear people talk about the future and oh it's going to take people's jobs and when actually in reality i was listening to the jordan harbinger podcast the other day and he was actually speaking to somebody who's an expert in pandemics and they were talking about you know future pandemics potential pandemics and saying that if a pandemic was if a virus that was worse for example less people were able to go to work and it came to a point where you know things actually had to grind to a halt. So there's, imagine there's no Amazon delivery driver or there's no Ocado delivery or there's no electricity, for example. And actually what would happen in terms of, you know, the just the chaos and the pandemonium that would happen. So do you think that, again, this is a complete aside, I'm kind of going off here, but is this something that if you talk about like a decade or two or three, that actually having these automated systems where we don't rely on manual and people to be in the room actually can also benefit us long-term in ways that we maybe can't even think of yet? It's really interesting with like renewable energy infrastructure, like infrastructure projects um, of this scale and, you know, and they keep talking about the transition, but the scale of that transition and the amount of infrastructure that needs to be built will generate lots of jobs and lots of, um, you know, and will require, you know, lots of highly skilled jobs. And that's a really big opportunity for, um, for, for lots of countries to really, you know, upskill upskill their workforce and um, 
and yet you know it's not just it's not just you know changing our you know it's not just helping with decarbonization it's actually helping with our economy and um and creating a lot of jobs i think on the point around automation um yeah look the these these types of things grid scale batteries are you know increasingly complex um like pieces of kit and actually the way that they will operate is in an automated fashion so you know there'll be quite a lot of upfront work to, to build these things and set them up um but you know ultimately they will be kind of run in an automated fashion hmm. and um i think there's you know there are there are you know there's lots of benefits for that um you know typically you've had very large centralized power stations your big gas-fired generation plants or big coal-fired generation plants um and and you know which were which were manually run and um you know now and you know produce a lot of dirty electricity and now i think the world that we're moving into is where you have a lot of more decentralized energy so smaller solar farms smaller wind farms and batteries that support the output from those um and those work in a i guess in a much more automated and you know disaggregated decentralized way um and yeah i think that's hugely powerful it's it's mm. a hugely more effective and you know wastes a lot wastes a lot less electricity you lose a lot less in in, in transmission so yeah i think that future is really exciting um mm. the, you know the automated way but i think you know automation from the renewable transition i think is 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 great but actually the renewable transition overall is is going to create a lot of jobs it's not just going to automate them away yeah yeah it's definitely exciting to see you know with all of these things how they how they play out how quickly those those things change because sometimes i think as i said when you think about future and trend it's always just forecasting right it's kind of guesswork and actually sometimes when something mm. comes in we think it's going to take a decade but actually sometimes it's far quicker and people start to you know you kind of think back you go like for example silly example but uber you know people think back to before uber and they almost can't remember you know it's like what did we do before yeah. so yeah i think it'd be really fascinating to see how quickly things change and yeah i really wanted to as i say explore that idea that people are afraid when they hear the word automation it's like oh people aren't going to have jobs when actually as you said it can create um a, a whole new a whole new sector of jobs and and skills for people so I want to talk about, I guess, the business side now. So, you know, it's incredibly challenging to 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 start a business, a startup, to scale that. As you know, I work at a startup myself, um, but you've done it once and now you're doing it again. So from a business perspective, I'd love to know, you know, your, from your opinion and your experience, what does it really take? You know, people often, I think now as well, it's very much put on a pedestal, you know, be an entrepreneur, you know, start your own company. And, you know, what does it really take to build and scale a successful business in, in today's modern world? Yeah, I, I think that there's a really interesting point about entrepreneurs put on pedestals and, um, you know, like the Instagram entrepreneurs, uh, etc. I, I, I just think um, that I don't think I sort of grew up wanting to like be a business person or I didn't it, it wasn't something that you know this burning desire that I wanted to set up my own business I think growing up um I, I but what did happen was I found an area of interest that I got really interested in had the time to really sort of think deeply about um and you know that then on the back of that it threw up in my mind a lot of a lot of opportunities and a lot of ideas and that's what's led me down this route, right? Um, mm. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, 
being setting up a business for the sake of setting up a business or being an entrepreneur for the sake of being an entrepreneur i don't think really gets you uh, well it might do but I, my, my view is i think you really need to spend a lot of time um you know ha- having a really strong idea about what you want to do being you know really understanding um the area they're in and and really trying to tackle a, a genuine problem when you set up a business um you know i think that's what really leads to to the you know the best outcomes um i think um you know and, and you know that feeds into the point around like mission or like purpose as well is it, it, i think having a a, a a mission or purpose that is is bigger than just you know just making money or just profit um in the long run you know really does does take you a long way and i think that all ties in with this Bit like before going into business it's having a really strong idea of what is the problem you want to challenge and like why do you want to do that like what's the real motivation behind it mm-hmm. um and, and and you know being really really sort of you know having a lot of conviction around that i think is super important yeah no it's an interesting point around this purpose and and profit because i think you know i i think we kind of like pendulums and you know kind of pendulum towards extremes and i think i'm hearing now especially in the kind of entrepreneur you know start your own business uh that message i'm definitely hearing this a lot of you know you know find your why have a purpose and purpose-led purpose-led conscious business and it almost feels that obviously for yourself it's a genuine problem that you're trying to solve and and yes of course you know profit is a business it needs to be profitable but i think that i yeah i don't know i just hear people now it's like find your why have a purpose and it's almost like if you don't have one just make it up and people kind of go out with these like claims and these bold almost like we're this this is the purpose this is the passion and it's almost like they have to do you know what I'm trying to say? Like sell this idea yeah. is like, oh, we're not trying to make money or there's no profit involved. And surely, as I said, to have a, a, a sustainable business, there has to be profit. So, yeah. How do you think people can approach that balance of saying you need you can have both purpose and profit? They're not binary. Yeah, I mean, I think um, exactly. Businesses have to be profitable. There has to be a clear route to profitability. Otherwise, um, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not sustainable. Um, I just think they really, you know, the things really feed into each other. So, um, you know, purpose or mission, it's, it's really important for, you know, having, you know, I think your, your team, your team will be on board in a, in a, in a very different way if, if they also buy into what is a credible mission. Obviously a, a completely sort of made up mission, I think doesn't, doesn't really cut it, but. You know, it's so important for the team. It's so important for hiring. Um, I think it's really important for, you know, I, I, I think in this in this day and age, like investment as well. That's what I was thinking when you said investment. How important, really? Because you know this, you've raised money, you go, to, yeah. you speak to investors. How important is it really? So, for example, if I went to investors and I had this great business idea, and I and I'm really, you know, passionate about the idea, and I've got this purpose for it. Do you think they care as much about that as the numbers, as the bottom line, as the kind of, yeah, how much money is this business going to make? Like, do they, do investors really care in the purpose? Uh, yeah, I think they do. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a big shift. I, I mean, I, I guess I'm talking about the different angles. So there's this, um, there's just a huge focus at the moment on, on ESG. Mm. So environmental, social governance. And it's, you know, it's like big, big institutions they're actively looking for more and more investments um, with, with that sort of ESG label on it that, that supports one of those things. So I think there's there's a big shift in like in in the big institutional money looking for uh, looking for businesses that do this. 
but yeah, they're not going to invest in something that's not profitable. That doesn't have a route to it. That's yeah, ultimately underneath it. But there's a, there's a big shift that's happened and, and is happening. Um, but but I think going back, you know, to the point around talking to people about doing, you know, p- people setting up a business at this point, and that, I I just think it's like even if you're doing a a smaller business, right? So and you know, which which is is also you know can be hugely successful and hugely profitable, but it's at a different you know it's serving a different market. So you know. Like it could be it could be a, a local a local retail business. It could be a like you know it could be a, a personal you know it could be, you could be a sole trader that could be your business. And I think even behind that, um, there being a reason for you doing it solely beyond um, just making money, I think just takes it a lot further, right? It, it's it's the reason why you it's the reason why you get up earlier to do something. It's the reason why you stay on and, and put in some extra hours. It's the thing that makes you go that that bit further. So it's not just um, you know a grand a grand mission. The mission can be helping people out. Um, it, it, not not that not that helping people isn't a grand mission. What I mean is you, you can be doing something that's you know serving people in the local community or having you know a, some some grand uh, grand global mission. And I think all those things are really important if, if you're going to set up a business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned, you know you've you've done it before, doing it again. You know I'm someone who I'm always. I'm always challenging myself essentially to to learn, but then also to rethink things, you know, like rethinking my own ideas, rethinking the strategy. And actually, as I said, working at a startup, like we're continuously having to, you know, change and adapt. And, you know, the business plan might change, the strategy might change. So what are some things that second time around you have maybe have learned, maybe the hard way? What are some things that you'll be approaching differently this time? Yeah, I mean, there's so much, right? It's um, firstly, there's a lot of practicalities. I think you learn second time round. Uh, you know, things that just take you a lot of time to figure out first time. So, I don't know setting up the company or, um, you know, setting up your finances. It, you know, all of that just takes time first time round. And I think there's a bit of, um, you know, you, you you can shortcut that a little bit second time round. And I think that's really. Uh, you know that's really that's really nice uh, you know you feel you feel familiar with it, with a lot of things um i think one of the really important things though is actually thinking about your team you know the team that you need in a year as opposed to the team that you need now but starting mm-hmm. to hire for that team that you need in the year now or you know have your plan and very clear plan in place to 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 have that team um i think is really important because you just yeah, you just end up in such a like catch up on 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 people, um, you know, when you think about that, and things move on so so much quickly, and and there's a real process for hiring hiring good people. Um, you know, it takes a while to find really good people, and and so yeah, thinking ahead on that, I think is is really important. Mm. I, I I mean, the other thing as well, I I just think as well is like, and and. And which I want to do, and I think you know we did a good job of it, Bob. But I want to do sort of even more is is giving people like real ownership in in the company, um, and also a lot of autonomy. You know, um, you know, Bob became a very has become a very big business, and it's impossible to run a business like that um, like very centrally. Um, you know, people need people need autonomy in their roles, and and likewise, you know, finding that even relatively early stages with um, with Vimity as well. You, you can't you can't run a business with um, with yeah with everything being run run very centrally it, it just it just doesn't work. Mm. 
Well, that's yeah. I mean, I'm taking note. I mean, I think because there's two things that stand out for me in that one being that you know having this eye on the future as well as the now. I think it's really really uh, great advice. I think often people just talk about you know what do you need now? What's the like minimum that you need? What's the first thing? What's the most obvious first? You know, just start now. Start and just kind of figure it out as you go along. It doesn't have to be perfect, which of course is true. But I actually really like that idea of having one. You know, whilst you're thinking about today, thinking about what you're going to need in a year's time, whether that's from the the people in the team and then secondly I guess like you said about if something you know not having it central I mean with the things that I do I guess more personally whether it's projects such as this podcast or whether it's um you know working on a book or all these different things I think I'm also learning the hard way that you have to have support and whether it's outsourcing whether that's a team like trying to do everything yourself like I don't know how you know I don't envy founders who have whether it's 50 employees or 500 because you have to have this element of trust that you're handing over where you you know your your business is your baby it's your passion it's your everything handing that over and some of that responsibility to people I personally find very difficult and I think that actually yeah if I had to manage and trust that okay there's 500 people who are doing work towards this mission or this project you can't manage you can't micromanage every single one of them you have to let them as you say like have ownership and yeah as, as a self-confessed control freak i think i would really struggle with that <laughs> and, and i think but that's why you know your your sort of hiring plan is so important and making sure you're doing that in advance you, you know you, you you build you build the team that, that that you really do trust um and i think the point you make around but i, I think the point around plan having a plan and thinking, you know, thinking, you know, even if it's just a year down the line, it's so important. Um, it just, you know, so many businesses, um, or so many people have, the, will, will have the same idea as you, um, on, on a business. There's, you know, lots of people have ideas and then, you know, there's, there's only a few people that really uh, execute those, those ideas. And you know, if you have an idea and you turn that into a plan, it doesn't have to be the most detailed plan, but you know, goals and targets and where you want to be in three, three months, six months, a year. I just think it takes you so far and it helps you retain focus because there's so many distractions. You can get distracted by other people. You can get distracted by competitors and um, it just really help, helps focus. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, having that sort of eye on, on what you're doing now and really trying to get stuff done, but also just thinking about what, where do you want to be in a year or so, I think it's so important. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, ideas. And I think, I think now, maybe because I work with a lot of creative people, I feel like we're not short on new ideas, but maybe the execution part is, is maybe the missing part. And for anyone listening to this show who is, uh, I call them hit. So high achieving, intelligent, talented, or other people say, you know, ambitious, driven, like these kind of entrepreneurial types who, who listen to this kind of show. What advice would you give to anyone who's listening? And maybe they, yeah, they have the ambition, they have the drive, they want to create something, but they're searching kind of for that big idea. They haven't yet figured out what the big idea is. Yeah. I think if you want to have a business, um, or, you know, lead a business, I, I think it's, you know, if you don't have that big idea now, don't worry. That stuff just comes with like time and experience and, and, and actually like just being out there in the world, being curious, being interested, um, following your passions. Um, and you know, you know, even if the, the job that you're in, you know, really finding the parts of that that you're interested in, really sort of trying to dive deep into those. I just think that that's, that's when when these sort of opportunities and the big the, the big ideas come around, um, it, 
I think it's quite hard to just sit down and with a piece of paper and try and think of a big idea. Um, you know, it, the big ideas come from the sort of interaction with with the world and, and the things that you're doing. Um, you know, and, and that could be, you know, it could be a degree in the area that you love. It could be sort of exactly hand, hand, hands-on experience at work. Um, could be something completely different. Like, you know, I, I've learned lots around, you know, pre-setting up the business. I probably learned quite a bit about running a company, albeit sort of a small scale. It's a record label with, with friends. And, you know, was doing that for years years before we set up Valve and I think even that sort of gave an idea of what what business is like so there's just so much you know experience you take from from other things and ultimately that all leads to you know what the big guy big idea is but you know you, you don't need to stress if that's not there now mm. and do you still have that record that record label company I'm fascinated by this I'm like wait what do you still have that now yeah, we do. It's it's kind of been on ice. I think, you know, between the group of us, we sort of all were busy, um, you know, busy doing doing our jobs or setting up businesses. Um, I sort of, or, you know, I run it with, so Nick Hill, who, um, who set up Mixcloud. So he's been very with stuff. And George, uh, George, who's a producer, and Sam, um, who's, a, who's a friend, who's also, you know, very busy with work at Global Witness. So we've all been really busy with our busy with our respective careers um and you know there's been a few kids um as well between us in the last year so it's kind of been on ice but very excitingly um it's coming back this year we've sort of got got some releases coming up so so yeah it's it you know it's sort of always been there in the background and and i think that's the point of just you know having you know the passions on or the things you're really interested on uh, alongside what you do it just it just sort of shapes um you know, they, they, it feeds into it feeds into your other parts of your career or other parts of your life really well. So, you know, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And I also think it's great to hear for people who, I don't know, I think sometimes people assume that, as I say, like, you know, the CEOs or the entrepreneurs, it's like, you just have to focus on that thing and work, work, work and kind of chip away, chip away. And there's no time for anything else, as you mentioned, whether it's raising kids or, you know, for a lot of my friends, whether it's training for marathons or Ironman or, you know, working on a music project, like you said, like you can, you can have that and it doesn't have to be, you know, obviously you know, this like find balance, like, is there such a thing? But I think it's really great for people to hear that, yes, you can, you know, work hard, achieve, you know, scale a company, do these things, but it's just as important to, I guess, yeah, have other things in your life. You, you know, your life cannot just be work and sleep, right? Yeah, totally. And, um, but, you know, I do, I do think then as well with business as well, that I think the thing that you said there of chipping away um, is so important and that, kind of being in, in, in your mind as well that you know, businesses just take time, right? There's a lot of things that need to happen and, you know, that things don't have, you know, none of the success stories I think that people see is have, have happened, like have happened overnight, even the supposed overnight success stories. Yeah. There's just a lot of, a lot of time that goes into these things. And, and that idea of chipping away at stuff is, is really important. And you yeah, know, you do that yeah. alongside having a plan. You like look back in a year, you look back a year later, you know, if you've just been chipping away at stuff and actually the amount of stuff that you will have, have, have done and how far you've come is always actually quite impressive to look back at. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, but, but you exactly. And I, I think, but it's really important, you know, other parts of your life are, are hugely important that, you know, 
they, they have positive positive impact on on the work that you do. I want to talk to you about the Power Hour, about the concept. So, yeah. you know, listeners of the show are very familiar with my Power Hour, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. But essentially, it's just about reclaiming the first hour of each day. So doing something with the first hour when you wake up before you kind of jump into work and emails or kids or whatever to, yeah, do something focused and with intention. So I'd love to know, Amit, what your first hour of the day is like, what time you typically get up and what you include in that first hour of each day. Um, so the the power hour for me, I must admit, um, is is actually it is the kids. So yeah. it is, um, you know, we don't have an alarm, obviously. Um, the kids, <laughs> the kids are the alarm, and um, and yeah, once once they're up, you know, they are the power hour. It's the it's that period of the, of the day where you're having breakfast and playing with them and. Um, you know they're at, they're at the, they're at the sort of peak form at that time of the day so it's really yeah i think that's the that that really is the power hour and that's probably you know starts from you know any time around 7 and goes to you know um, until 8 and every, you know then you're getting ready and take them out to nursery etc so yeah. yeah that that is the power hour um and actually it's it's such a lovely way to start the day um sometimes you wish you had a bit more of a line but um but yeah it's that that really gives you a lot of i think a lot of energy for the day ahead of you. Yeah, no, it does sound lovely. And hey, seven doesn't sound too bad. I'm sure there'd be a lot of parents listening thinking seven is a lion. I know people that seven would be a lion. So yeah, I think a couple of things on that one, I guess, yeah, it's lovely. It's a choice, right? That is a choice that you've made yeah. to, to start that day with your children, with your family before you, before you, because you could, I'm sure, probably, you know, get up and, and start working and not do that. Um, and secondly, I think the day is going to come, and I think this happens to every parent, like my son's a lot older now, it's different, but I think this happens to every parent where they don't have an alarm because their kids wake up, the kids wake up and then one day they don't and they sleep in and then suddenly everybody in the house goes, oh my gosh, it's 10 to 9, what's happening? Why didn't anyone wake up? So you've got that fun day to look forward to when everything's chaos because the, the, the alarm didn't, didn't wake up. Brilliant. And then before we go, firstly, well, I have my quick fire closing round questions. But before that, can you tell the listeners of the show where they can find out more yeah, about you and about the company if they're listening to this and they're interested and they wanted to reach out? Yeah, so um, our website's like vimity.energy, so www.vimity.energy. Um, and yeah, there's, there's details to get in touch through that. Um, or, you know, you can hit me up on, on the LinkedIn as well. Um, so, so yeah, those are the best places to reach out. And, you know, we've got with our projects kind of going into construction, et cetera, you know, we should, we'll be having more news about, um, about the project that we're developing. Awesome. But we'll also leave links in, in the show notes as well. So quick fire round. Are you ready, Amit? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. First question is, if you weren't a business founder of an energy company, what would you be doing instead? I guess trying to, yeah. Try, trying to run my um, underground underground record label to, to a larger scale. Wicked. And second question is, what one book would you recommend that everybody should read? Can I do two or does it have to be one? No, you can go two. I think um, The Uninhabitable Earth by uh, David Wallace Wells um, is just a fantastic book to read about the impact of climate change 
and um and you know it's only written two or three years ago um but so much of what was in there you know is, is what we're seeing now so i think it's a really important um an important read for everyone not necessarily the most fun read but really important i think the other one that i really don't it's, it's quite quick and you know maybe others will have i can imagine will have mentioned it on the show but the one thing um is just a really i've, I've always found it a really you know, always just think back to that book when you're trying to prioritize um so yeah just quite a quick self-help book i think it's been been really valuable Great. Thank you. So Inhabitable Earth and The One Thing. Okay. And then next question, also a two-part answer. What is the best and worst thing about startup life? I think just your ability to have just a direct impact on what you're working on, um, you know, and to make change happen quickly, Mm -hmm. um, I think is just the really exciting and energizing thing about startups. I think the worst thing is... Yeah, sometimes I, I guess sometimes the, the pressure, um, but you just also, the great thing about that is you learn to, you know, you, your tolerance that just improves over time as well. Um, so yeah, I think those would be the two, yeah, the best and the worst. Great. And then my last closing question for you is all about time. A little bit obsessed with this idea of time, making the most of it and how valuable it is. So if you were given one extra hour of each day, what would you use that extra hour to do? That's a good, good question. Um, I think, I think actually um, cooking. So I just don't feel... Um, like I cook enough or when I do, it's just very quick stuff. And actually when you have the time to do that and uh, make the thing that you really want to make, um, it's just such a, such a relate. It's so good for your mind and relaxing. I think you get similar, similar vibe um, as you do, I think from, from doing exercise even um, you know, in terms of the, like mental relaxation. So yeah, cooking, I think would be the one. Yeah, agreed. I really enjoy cooking. And I think it's something about completion, you know, like starting. So it's like a ritual starting something, seeing it completed as like a, you know, like if you're, if you're a busy person with lots of things to do, you never feel like you complete the to-do list. There's always more to do. I think I quite like yeah. when, when you've cooked something or baked something or made something and you can see, ta-da, I finished something today, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amit. I have really enjoyed this conversation. As I said, it's fascinating. It's a whole new world for me and maybe for some of the listeners as well um definitely some key takeaways in there and i'm definitely gonna um check out both of the books that you recommended one because i think inhabitable earth super important for as you said everyone to kind of get to grips with the with the the state of the planet but the second one the one thing has been recommended to me before and i have yet to read it and i think at the moment i definitely need to simplify shall we say simplification is something i need more of in my life so i'm going to check that out as well and as i said we'll share in the show notes please do reach out as always thank you for listening to the podcast please you can rate review share all of that stuff it helps us to reach more people so that we can bring you new episodes every single week have an awesome week and stay safe see ya thanks